Okay, so if teeth are together for long periods of time at nighttime, then the sympathetic nervous system stays on. The sympathetic is fight or flight. That's what apnea is. Squeeze. <sighs> Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello, Petrusrati. I'm Jazz Gulati, and welcome to episode 101. It's a continuation from episode 99, which was Occlusion Wars, which is the best occlusal religion. And just to give you a flavor of that episode, just like a quick recap, I wanted to find out which is the best training institute for occlusion. Is it Spear? Is it Kois? Is it Dawson? Is it Panky? Is it Neuromuscular? That kind of thing, which is a, a common question that we all ask on our journey after dental school. And we think that, okay, we need to upskill and learn learn about comprehensive dentistry and how occlusion fits into it, very often we'll be uh, faced with this choice. And some people go for Kois and some people go for, for Dawson. And I got someone on, Bobby Supple, who continues in this episode, and he blew me away because he's done so much training with all these greats, you know, he's been in the same room as, you know, Kois uh, and Spear and Dawson, everyone's together debating, and he's been very much part of that. And it was great to learn from him. And essentially, it doesn't matter who you train with. They argue and they challenge you on the different processes. The outcomes are gonna be very consistent. So the answer is train with whoever you want. Whoever's most convenient for you, best price for you, uh, best mentors, maybe your principal uh, or your boss has also done COIS, so you should do COIS, so you can speak the same language maybe. Or maybe because your principal has done COIS, you should do Dawson, so you can exchange notes about the how to and how to get from point A to point B. But essentially, you will do your patient's service and you will do a great job. Whoever you choose for your training partner, you make sure you implement it fully uh, and you do your best. And I think that was a really cool lesson. And go Going further now from that episode to this episode, the main thing I want to leave you with before we join the main interview is that sometimes, and especially when it comes to occlusion, the first time you hear something from an educator, from a speaker, it doesn't quite make sense. And sometimes you have to hear something like for the fifth time uh, and it's eight years later and then it clicks in your head because by then you've accumulated enough failures. You've got a bit more experience under your belt. You've got a bit more deep thought and, and experiences to, to reflect on. So if this episode is a little bit beyond you, because we do talk about higher level stuff, relevance of the airway, tongue posture, uh, posture in general. This is all stuff that even I'm just learning, grasping more into, because very much, you know, uh, I, I, my training was at the two teeth and the skeletal level, the teeth and bones, teeth and bones, and how to make them meet together. But where I, and, and now I'm well-versed at looking at the joint and the condyle and uh, orthotic appliances prior to full mouth rehabs, that kind of stuff. But then looking even beyond that and looking at airway. So this is a huge area. And even looking at children and prevention and how can we, not just fix people up once they've destroyed their dentitions, but actually uh, set them up at a young age so that they have a, a good chewing system, a good breathing pattern, and that actually has a huge influence on their anatomy. The Petrusa Dental Pearl uh, for you is inspired by what we talked about in the episode. It's something that Kushal Gadia taught me uh, when I was doing some occlusion training with him. Uh, it's basically when you're checking someone's bite and they're lying down, and we do this all the time, right? We fit a crown, we do some restorations, and we get them tap, tap, tap while they're lying down. We should also check it when you sit them up. 
because there is a slight uh, difference. And what you might find is that whilst everything is feeling okay to the patient or uh, is feeling okay according to your usual checks, which consists of uh, articulating paper marks, checking for frematis with your fingers, checking for how it's, or, or listening to how it sounds, you know, listening to the bite and how it sounds. So once you've done those checks, it's really good to check it when they're sat up as well. And just to confirm, and every now and then you'll realize that actually when they're sat up, yes, the tooth is proud again. And you just gotta just adjust it there as well because posture does change our bite. So let's join part two of Occlusion Wars and go deeper into areas where I'm exploring as well. Like the book that Bobby Supple recommends in this episode is New Trends in Myofunctional Therapy. And I've been trying to get my hands on this book, but it's completely unavailable everywhere. I think there's some new ones coming uh, in 2022 according to Amazon uh, and Waterstone and stuff. So I'm looking forward to, to delving deeper into this side of things. And it was interesting to learn about the Atlas uh, and posture and the role of nasal breathing, all things which I've respected, but he puts it all together in terms of the occlusion. So you may find that, whoa, this is a, this is a lot more to take in because it's stuff that we haven't traditionally covered at dental school. But I think it's really important to expose yourself to it, even if it's for the first time for you. And then maybe sometime later when you read a bit more or when you uh, shadow some mentors who also practice this kind of stuff, it starts to make sense. So thanks so much for joining us on this journey and I'll check you out in the outro. Now, real quickly to your point going forwards, the dentist, Okay, like you look at your child. I looked at my kids. And so one of them, we actually did orthognathic surgery on. I mean, you talk about a gut check when you have your child and you're looking at it and going, okay, wait a second, am I gonna put my child through that? But it was for a lot of different reasons. He was a soccer player and concussed and had some accidents. And so she, okay. so it was not just a class two, even though she did have an airway thing and stuff like that, okay. but. But it, that's a gut check when you're looking at your kids and you're going, okay, am I going to actually practice what I preach? Okay. So it's the dentist though. It's the dentist who sees young and old. We see male and female. We see you on a regular basis. We see you when you're well. That is radically different than if you have a, a strep throat and you got to go to a physician. They can only do put you on antibiotics. And we see you when you're laying down. That is just absolutely critical. Almost all mm -hmm. therapies, chiropractor, PT, massage therapy, dentistry, we do it when you're laying down. And that's a concept that dentistry hasn't really quite understood yet. So when you're laying down and the jaw drops back a little bit and they close, they're in a tighter arc. So we're actually doing our little crowns and our adjustments and everything as we're seating and we're seating the condyles without really even knowing it because we're practicing when they're laying mm. down. Mm -hmm. Now the patient sits up, let's say you put in a crown for a smaller patient sits up and then they go, oh doc, no, I'm hitting it. The dentist, okay, well fine, lay back down. Oh, lay back down. <laughs> just did some more because you got a retrofit in the thing, okay? But you got to ask the question then, if you were laying down, and the bite seemed fine when the patient was tapping. And then the patient sits up and goes, no, no, doctor, it's still too high. And you know, okay, well, I'm not letting them out of the office with this, them with that feeling, because you know you're getting the phone call tomorrow, okay? All right, so you go back and adjust it. Okay, so why is that? So why, why is laying down just so absolutely critical? And the reason is simply because your head is supported. And so when you're supported here, then the neck is going to want to relax. I start every exam, every single exam, hygiene, checks, everything like that. And the first place I go is here. 
go right back to the atlas. They're laying down, okay? And then I can figure out which is the tighter side. And then pretty much I know that that's the side that the lateral pole is gonna be a little bit tender on. That's the side that the airway is probably gonna be the least, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, so think of the maxilla like a V. Mandible wants to grow like a U shape. A U doesn't fit inside of a V, so they pick a side. That's what you see on the T-scan at age 12, 13. You know which side is the side that they're pushing off of, okay? Mm -hmm. So just for your audience right now, just because there's everybody has two bites. I mean, all these occlusion wars came down to this. Everybody has two bites, okay? <laughs> you have your skeletal bite, bones, ligaments, muscles, posture, breathing. That's your skeletal bite. And then you have your teeth bite, okay? Yeah. So we're just, in dentistry, we know how to retrofit the teeth, a tooth cracks, okay, crack, crown, build it in there, get it all into it, it's fine. That's how we do, there's nothing wrong with it, okay? All right, but the skeletal bite is the general. The skeletal bite tells you how stable everything is and how balanced all of the system is. And we still have yet to quite figure this out the mandible, the shoulders, the hips, the knees and the feet. There's five planes in the body and all five of those planes you want to be balanced. But if the mandible is growing off center like that, then the shoulders like that, the hips, the kids, the, the girls will grow into some scoliosis, all of these sort of things. So, so the fact that we can get to these kids young when they're healthy as a dentist and we're looking down the oral cavity, Dentistry is literally in the mainstream of healthcare, but healthcare doesn't know it yet. Okay, mm -hmm. we have the power to change health and wellness, but we got to get to the kids and we got to get them widened out and we got to get them to breathe through their nose. And so you were talking about your, your son. So here, just a little thing. If you're, if you're just sitting right now, okay, if you're sitting and slouching, okay, and one shoulder is like this, because I do this in, um, when I'm in a uh, lecture hall, because everybody's sitting there, you're like an hour in, they're all tired, everybody's like, okay, yeah, they got their hands on the table like that, and they're, they're kind of sitting like that. I go, okay, so stop right there. Now, tap your teeth. Just tap your teeth in that path, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, then I tell them, okay, now, take a deep breath, all right? chest up, we're gonna roll our shoulders back, you're gonna take your hands, you're gonna stretch back, you know, you can do this if you want, but stretch all the way back, tilt your head up a little bit better, get your posture exactly all like that, perfect, okay, then you get it, okay. Now take a couple of deep, deep breaths, just breathe in, breathe out, it's like that, okay. Now, if you take the tip of your tongue and you put it on the roof of your palate, you just put it up on the palate to the back, Okay, now the condyles will seat, the condyles will want to seat, and then you just do like, like that. don't touch your teeth, mm -hmm. okay, let the tongue relax, just go like that, okay, now sitting up like that, perfectly straight, now close, and just lightly close down, and I want to know what tooth touches first, okay? For me, it was my upper left premolar, or Bingo. my left premolars, yeah. Right, so it's... It's going to be one of four primary positions. It's either going to be a second molar in the back. It's going to be a premolar in the corner. So if you think of it like a V shape and a U shape, well, it's either going to be way back or it's going to be in the corner. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
All right, and it's gonna be on one side more than the other. Now that is your skeletal bite. So what you would see on the T-scan when you were laying down, if you had the patient close, swallow, squeeze, and then tap, tap, tap like three times, then the pressure would push off of your upper left premolar side. Okay, so it's like, it's the clue that says, okay, wait a second, my teeth bite is a little different than my skeletal bite. For you, that's your anterior control. That's where you're gonna see some abfractions. That's where you're gonna see the little pull in the gums. That's where the lower teeth is gonna start to press forward. So then you get a bicuspid drop off and then it all goes like that, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, in all fairness, if we track this and you cone beamed it, then we would find that between your nose, your sinus, and your ear on that side is narrower than on the other side. Because mm -hmm. growing up, your cartilage base wasn't perfectly symmetrical because nobody is. So you're sitting in first grade. You're just sitting in first grade and you can't breathe perfectly like this. So literally you tilt your head up like this and turn it in and that's how you sit, grow, sleep, swallow, and everything is gonna grow into that. So between six when your first molars come in and 12 when you have your full adult dentition, then the cranium is grown and the asymmetry is in the mid face. And we call the cranium the criminal. And <laughs> finally, basically now it's, you just draw a line between the nasal airway, the cheekbone, the jaw, go back to the ear, go right back into the trigger in the neck and then drop down into the shoulder and the epicenter is here. So. I knew we would do this. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So trigger points, lovely. Trigger points. Uh, Jeanette Travel and David Simons. Yeah. Exactly. So it was probably, I'm going to say it was 1995, 97, somewhere in there. And I went to California and I'm listening to Janet Travel. Okay. Janet Travell, she was kind of eclectic and there were some really wealthy women in New Mexico. A couple of them were my patients and they would actually fly, bring Janet Travell in and they, she would work on them. Now, Janet Travell was John F. Kennedy's personal physician because he had back pain. And so she, that's where she kind of got famous to start. Mm -hmm, okay? mm -hmm. All right. But I had never heard her lecture until... Went to Palm Springs, you know, one January when it's all sunny and everything like that, you know, or just tell my wife, hey, you want to go here? Yeah, I'll go there. <laughs> okay, but anyway, <laughs> so I'm sitting in the room, okay, and then they bring Janet Travell, so they have to help her onto the podium. She's 90-some years old. She's wow, She wow. can walk, but she's not in a wheelchair or anything like that, but she can't make it up the steps to the podium, so... She's up there, and my first thought, I mean, it's like an idiot. My first thought was, oh, I'm too late. I, I missed her. She's too old. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> Literally, she starts talking, and then I'm going, okay, wait a second. This is Mother Teresa. And, she, and a lot of the audience was surgeons and stuff. They weren't really into it. It was an oral biology conference, and so they weren't clinical dentists like I was. Mm -hmm. Okay, and literally she's five minutes in, and then this is what she, she says. She's pointing to these two. So this trigger here and this trigger right mm -hmm. here. 
Okay. She goes. So just to describe, you're pointing to the tra trapezius and uh, right the side of the. Yep. You go to the atlas and then you drop down. And you can find it in a dental chair. As soon as the patient lays down, so Monday, you're going to go right to here and you're going to feel the tight side. And then you take your fingers and you go underneath the shoulder blades and then you'll find you'll find this trigger here. OK. All right. They'll just be tight in the beginning. You'll kind of think, OK, it takes a little bit of time to practice to feel the difference. But after. 10, 20 of them, you know, you'll start to go, oh, now I get it. And just like when you palpate here and you're going, you're putting pressure on a lateral pole or whatever, put some pressure on it. I mean, you can literally take your finger and press into it like that. Every once in a while, the patient will jump or whatever, okay? But what happens as a child, then these become your headache patterns. Okay, well, this is what Travell said right up. She said it two or three times in a row because she's talking to dentists. And she goes, these are your dental triggers. Okay, I took a couple of deep breaths because I'm thinking late 90s. I'm thinking jaw teeth. I'm thinking yeah. this here. And I was all into her, these, all of these guys. Okay. So all of these close squeeze, temporal headache, jaw into the ear, pressure here. So this guy, this guy up and down here. Sometimes I could get this one here, but never this one, this one, this one, and this one was, I was totally out of my paradigm at the time. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this Protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. Bobby, I've got some videos on Instagram, actually, of patients who come in in pain from a lateral incisor, uh, and then I'm checking the trigger point on the temporalis, and I can recreate the familiar pain. Uh, so this is a, when you first do it, it's like, wow, okay, this is, there's something to this. <laughs> now you're going to take it all the way back because the future of dentistry yeah, the future of dentistry going forward in the digital world, okay? Yeah, we know the teeth-jaw bite relationship because of all the philosophy wars and everything like that. But now it's what's below the teeth, your tongue swallow, what's behind the teeth, the atlas and the neck posture, what's above the teeth, your nasal airway, and what's in front, the face. Because we would always look at the face and then design the teeth, to make it look like it all matched up into it and think, oh, look at how pretty we made these smiles, but the patient might be like this, okay? Mm -hmm. But the future going forward in dentistry is literally tongue swallow reflex. How does that tongue grow? Now we call it myofunctional therapy. I'm gonna show you one book here, brand new book out of Italy, okay? Uh -huh. So it's called myofunctional therapy. I'll set it up into it. You can't, I don't know that 
Um, you can buy this on Amazon, but it might be you're just going to have I'll to. I'll throw look. a link uh, if it's uh, wherever it's available from. I'll throw a link on there. So yeah, new trends in myofunctional therapy, occlusion, muscles, and posture. It's a. Is it very similar to the Carlson books? Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's just it's it's out of Italy, and during COVID, what happened was there was six or eight weeks when the whole world was shut down. Every single dentist in the world was furloughed. Okay, and then dentists just. They're social. So they were going online. Okay. And then they had this occlusion confusions, things like that. So Javier out of Florida was putting in and he was interviewing people about occlusion. But what he literally did is he was zipping around the world. And so every single day I would have a podcast. It'd be like two o'clock and I could just dial in. I just go right on the internet and go, Oh, which podcasts are happening today? And then they, they were coming from all over the world. You had chirodontics, you had, you know, orthodontists, you had the airway docs, you had the surgeons, you had the cosmetic dentists and everything like that. But they were, after a couple of days of my first thinking was, you know what? We're all on the same page. I can't even believe this. Like dentistry around the world, we're like on it. And everybody was coming at it and, and they were all kind of coming around it. And so then this one group out of Italy, Sacred Heart Hospital next to the Vatican in Rome. It was like the Pope blessed them, you know, literally they're across <laughs> the street from the Vatican and this big hospital and 20 years of research. But they're looking at oral oncology and they're looking at anything to do with swallowing and breathing with the kids. And then they just developed into it and they're going, OK, the tongue swallow reflex, that's the maxilla. And the maxilla is all set because of the airway. And then the head has to hold into that. And so the epicenter is that tongue swallow reflex in the kids. And it's age seven through 10 that that tongue should break and you should lose the infantile swallow and be in an adult chewing swallow. Any person who at age 10 still exhibits an infantile swallow means that the tongue swallow is overprotecting the airway. And it's all because of post-nasal drip and then they swallowed and then they grew into that pattern. So now, you know, the sockets aren't symmetrical. And if the mm -hmm. sockets aren't symmetrical, the atlas isn't symmetrical. And then you made the comment at the beginning and then I'll be done. You made the comment. Oh, yeah. Well, CR doesn't talk about the disc. It doesn't doesn't in the definition doesn't talk about the disc. Well, guess what? You have a lower compartment that has to do with more rotation. You have an upper compartment above the disc that has to do more with translation. And then you have another condyle back here, which is the atlas, which is all off center too. So mm -hmm. in a sense, you have six joints. You've got three on each side like that. Mm -hmm. And all of them grew into this tab. Okay? And now you can systematically just pick it apart as a dentist. If you start with the triggers, then you'll kind of get the idea. Then you'll start looking at your panos and going, oh, one condyle's up here. The other one's down here. Oh, one palate goes this way and then it stair steps up. And, mm -hmm. and then you'll start looking at it this side and this side skeletally. And then you'll quickly start going, oh, the abfractions match this, the force patterns on the T-scan match it, the gum recession, the cracks, the wear facets, they all start to match up because it was 
one chew at a time, like one leg shorter than another over decades. Mm-hmm. So everybody mm-hmm. grows into an asymmetry. Everybody has two bites. It's when the skeletal bite and the airway and the posture bite are overpowering the teeth that a dentist will have a problem. Those are the ones where you prep a second molar and then the joint seats and then they come back and then you put the crown on and the crown's too high and you go, no, I know I gave myself enough space. Well, what happened? The condyles, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the posture went better and their headaches are less. And then now you go put the crown in and now the crown's too high. Well, guess what? It wasn't your lab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like you you have two bites. And so dentists are good. We we know how to get around problems because you don't want the patient complaining or you don't want the too sensitive. So so we can retrofit it. And I'm just telling you there's nothing wrong with that. Dentists are awesome. Well, I, I just want to just, just say that I mean, I, I like the term retrofit that you use because I think it really uh, makes it tangible for everyone listening that, OK, what we're essentially doing is we are retrofitting teeth to um, and ignoring the underlying. And I think what you've done is brought light to the fact that, OK, it all starts at a very young age with the swallowing uh, and how uh, things compensate. And what we're dealing with here is a, is a, is a much b- a bigger issue. But, uh, b- but before I uh, let you just talk about the direction about how in dentistry we can be more unified in this front, because one of the challenges is a... Uh, uh, lack of education on this at dental school uh, and acceptance amongst uh, perhaps some prosthodontic societies who are very much still focused on the teeth and jaw and not at the the, the bigger picture. So that's a big um, a challenge. And B, you know, it would be great if the healthcare professionals are more allied, you know, uh, as a general. We are almost uh, sometimes dentistry as if the mouth is not part of the body, you know. Uh, it, it sometimes uh, we need to have more open conversations with our other healthcare professionals to be able to do uh, a, a more holistic diagnosis. So those are some of the challenges. But if I was to just pose you this one question, because there's so many different directions we can go in. If you can go back 10, 15, 20 years to those cases when you were um, doing these beautiful empress restorations uh, and you had... Uh, these uh, teeth set up how you were trained to set them up and for many patients it worked but then you notice obviously some chipping and cracking which you now can look back and think okay it's because at a higher level you are retrofitting how would you manage that case today Uh, and then if uh, and and, yeah I'll let you answer that and then I might just give you another sort of uh, challenge to what I think you might say so uh, how would you manage those same cases today so you mentioned dentistry's relationship with healthcare so in my community, I have never, ever seen this at all. In my community, the chiropractors, the massage therapists, the physical therapists, even the neurologists, they're all starting to get on board. We're all starting to talk about the same thing. We're all in the same camp. So just 10 years ago, no, a chiropractor was a quack. A, you, a massage therapist, you know, was just like surface stuff. They weren't really helping so much. And even anything to do with dry needling, stuff like that, it, it was just, no, it was not in the consciousness of even dentistry or medicine. And then because medicine so cracked and there is not a family physician anymore and things like that, that's why the dentist is going to become the family physician. Mm-hmm. And now in my community, a neurologist will say, hey, I can solve this part of the migraine. I want you to go see Bobby and he can help you with the rest of it. 
So you're you're watching it change. Now, every community is going to be a little bit different and that sort of thing. But I have never, ever seen everybody on the same page because posture and nutrition and things like that are really at the forefront. And post-COVID, I mean, literally, dentistry is going to be pre-COVID, post-COVID. Everything starts all over. Everybody's got a clean, fresh slate. Everything in the past is fine. I'm just going to tell every single dentist, young or old, you're fine. You're brilliant. You know how to fix teeth. You can get rid of abscesses. The younger dentists know all about pathology way better than I did in school. They know the legal part of it, so they have to deal with that. So that's fine because you got to basically stay out of trouble. Okay, but we're good. We're really good at what we do. So going forward, what you were trained to do, you keep on doing. So, yes, you build an MIP. Okay, because that was always the thing about the philosophies is, oh, MIP is not right. Well, it is right. It's the best that we can do at that time, okay? Now, if you're gonna go forward and you're gonna do more comprehensive dentistry, now you have to start thinking on a little different hat because your teeth bite and your skeletal bite now start to come into play. Mm -hmm. So now you're gonna have to get better at orthotics and literally center this thing up and you gotta get these condyles, but mostly you gotta get the condyle in the neck in harmony with each other before you're gonna do a full mouth reconstruction, okay? So you're gonna pick your poison, all right? If you wanna go in that direction and do more and more comprehensive. So pretty much what happens to the average dentist is you practice for about 10 years and you go, you know, I am just good enough to be dangerous. It's like, I want to do all this sort of stuff and then there's more money or there's more, you know, satisfaction into doing this. And my patients are asking me to do all of this sort of thing. And so it's like, then the question is, how can I do this? Where can I go? Where can I learn? So now we have people like you, podcasts and internet and stuff like that. I mean, you're not paying attention, then that's your problem is the way I look at it right now, because it's, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. You can it's follow mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Okay. But, but now you go back Monday morning, your first patient. And after you watch like videos all weekend, you're like, okay, yeah, I see the end result. I can see all these beautiful smiles and because they show the before, then they show the after and all of that. It's like, how do I get from A to B? You're going to have to go back to the basic definitions. And the basic definitions is condyles have to go in the socket. Literally, they put them in a socket, even if it's an adapted position and all of that sort of thing. Find your skeletal bite. Find that first point where you're touching, okay? So I'll straighten out the neck, stretch them all out, palpate the joints. I'll lightly, lightly do my little bite thing like Dawson taught me, not hold it tight, all of that sort of thing. Tongue into roof of the mouth. I'll let them find that position naturally, close down, and then I make sure it matches the T-scan. So then I know, okay, a duck is a duck, but we don't do models anymore. We don't, I don't take impressions and go and, uh, I don't know, it was about 15 years ago, one of my assistants goes, Dr. Supple, it's like you make us take these models and we do it all that and we get it all nice and healthy. And then you go to the consultation and you don't even look at the models. I go, <laughs> well, you're right. Cause I'm looking at the photographs. So 
If you're going to get into any kind of that, the number one thing you have to do and you have to get good at is photography. If you're not taking pictures, if you're not taking pictures of the palette and you're not looking at tori or you're looking at a lower arch and how the teeth are going, you're never going to get the 3D concept of how the teeth are fitting into the skeleton, okay? So you got to almost blank out the teeth and look at the bone structure. I'll leave you this one last little pearl. I don't know where we are time it, but, but if you breathe perfectly neutral through your nose like this and everything's nice and wide, your palate should be dead flat. You should have room for all 16 teeth on the top, relatively flat, lips and tongue seal, breathe through your nose, okay? Now, if only one in 100 kids have that, okay, so instead of the palate growing like that, if this airway grows like this and then they're in this pattern like that, then literally the cartilage, what happens is the cartilage is going to grow. So instead of growing flat, the cartilage in the nasal downdrafts, so then it drops like that. So we look at an upper tori and go, how the hell did that happen? I don't know. Well, guess what? It's because of their nasal airway, it grew like that. So literally, you're going to look mm -hmm. at palates and differently. And when you see a tori and you see it downdrafted and you see it pushed off to the side, or you take your finger and it's high vaulted right here in the front, then you rub it back and then you'll feel the tori line up and stuff like that. And then you look at the picture. So what happened is it got downdrafted. There was so much cartilage compression into here and the patient's swallowing and they're holding it like that they're squeezing their teeth that's that sleep disorder breathing you know the kids are in their teeth all that sort of thing okay all it means is the tongue is in the way of their airway and the back of their tongue is a muscle and it's not relaxing at nighttime it's literally simply every time you swallow it's compressing so then you drop into it then the mandible would love to grow forward, the mandible, but it's being trapped. So you got like mm -hmm. a V, so the mandible wants to come forward. And then you start to see the tori on the lower, and on the lingual, and you'll see like two bumps on one side and one on the other. Well, literally the mandible is trying to grow forward and then throughout life it's trapped. It's like a shoe that's on that's too tight and you never take the mm -hmm. shoe off. So every time you go to eat and chew or and you're compressing like that, I'll just, I'm just going to tell you, photograph everything. You want to see abfractions and you want to see the gum poles. You want to see the wear facets in the teeth. But mostly you want to look at the architectural of the bone. Once you have the digital pictures, okay, so I just got lucky. 1980s, we're photographing. So I don't ever do an exam or, I mean, a records appointment without the photographs. So I have a photograph of... Every patient from their initial exam, full set, just like an orthodontist would do the photograph. So you have to, the first digital technology is the cheapest. It's a, it's a camera. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number one. 100%. All right. So I would then say, okay, now scanners are the future. So since we don't take impressions and I don't take models and I don't put them articulators to do the consult, literally, we just take the scanners and go all the way around. And then off the scanner, then I can teach the patient if I need to. But the scanners are the future. Okay, There's different kinds of prices for scanners. Okay, I use an iTero. 
But Itero, I do that because of Invisalign. Yep. Itero has the best software. They have the most bells and whistles in the software. They show the pictures. So, so I'm addicted to the Itero software. And so that's why I use that scanner. Okay. The other ones, fine, they're good. It's just that they're not tied to Invisalign. I'm probably 15 years into Invisalign. And then you're going, okay, so most of my practice is TM, jaw, bite issues. I do do some dentistry now, but not so much. I have a mm -hmm. partner who's an implantologist, so he can handle all the perio and the implants. And then I have Bethany, who's just this brilliant. She's 10 years out of school, so she can do the dental work and things like that. I'll see literally 10 new TM patients a week. You pretty much niche down into um, yeah T TM uh, patients who are suffering with uh, temporomandibular disorders, yeah? I Generally, the patient, when I see them, they've already seen at least three docs. It might be a dentist, but it also might be a neurologist or they're chasing some kind of other medical issue. For sure, they've been going to a physical therapist, chiropractor, stuff like that. But I have a network in my community where, you know, I have... 20 chiropractors who know who I am, all the PTs. At the university, I was actually teaching the physical therapy students in school whenever it came up because the instructors were my patients, you know. So, Bobby, come here. Can you talk to my class and things like that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we would go into the PT class when they were learning about the jaw and sit them up, put them on the T-scan and show them their fitting up bite on the T-scan, lay them all down, then go back in there, close it. And so then you can put on the screen, they're sitting up bite and they're laying down bite. And then I would just simply go, you guys are the heroes here. You have to understand the PTs because they're going after all of this and they're lining up neck and shoulder and they're helping us a lot. So so going forwards, if, if you're going to do a comprehensive case and you have a lot of wear, okay, and you know you got this airway and neck issue and posture, you have to kind of clean this up and then use the scanner. Now the scanners will then, now you can mill your orthotics. Mm -hmm. So we're a couple years into that scan. Then I just send the study models to the lab and then we use the lab software now to then articulate it because I can pick five different articulators on there. You know, I can do a hand hour <laughs> Sam or whatever. OK, you just pick your articulator and then I'll adapt. I'll just take the pano and then I, literally I can change the condylar thing just a little bit, whether they're it's it's just three things. OK, are they flat? Are they medium or is it curved? Okay, because that's going to make a little bit of a difference. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then you can just set it because sometimes you'll have one eminence that'll flat and the other one that'll be much more steeper because it mm -hmm. grew compressed. Okay, all right. So then I can quickly make a little thing. The lab guy does it now. I don't. Ralph and I've been together for 20 years, so he knows what I want. Okay, so he just looks at it, changes the condylar inclination, and then we just 
open up the vertical a little bit, just three millimeters to five millimeters on the front. Because I know- So, so using the neuromuscular background that you also got. So all the schools that they all tied up at the end, you know, although all there was these wars and, uh, you know, occlusal religions arguing with each other, uh, ultimately they tied up in this uh, very comprehensive era now as we're looking at the bigger picture. They, they Like you told me in the emails, we're all friends now. That all these religions are friends. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So this book you can still buy if you mm. if you kind of want to go back that way. This is the one I'm saving in my archives, but this book is called Posture, Airway, and Tongue. So this okay, is that by Jenkelson, right? Jenkelson. Lovely. So this mm -hmm. is the father of neuromuscular dentistry, but before. Mm -hmm. LVI and with, before we started doing full mouth reconstructions to match this. Mm -hmm. So this just right off in the beginning, it goes, okay, these are the things you're looking for. Upper narrow arch, inflamed adenoids and tonsils, history mm -hmm. of stuffed throats and stuff like that. So, so the dentist now is the oral physician. It's called integrative dental medicine. So the Dawson Academy, this is Witt's new book. It's called The Shift. It's mm -hmm. literally the entire Dawson curriculum is in here with the whole concept of, wait a second, start with the nasal airway, understand how it's kind of grew that way. Then if you're going to do more comprehensive dentistry, you have to make sure the neuromuscular is correct, but you do that within orthotic, okay? Mm -hmm. And... Then the whole idea that if you're just adjusting teeth and then that's called mutilation, you have to get that out of your mind. The word equilibration and the word CR, they were so bastardized that everybody just had to bail on them. So originally it was the American Equilibration Society. Okay, well, when I was on the board, when Wit put me on it, um, 10 years back, then you could see, okay, the word equilibration isn't fitting. And then society isn't fitting and Americans not fitting. Okay. Cause it's international <laughs> and equilibration is a bad word. Okay. And so then now we just kept the word AES. So we kept the, basically the brand yeah. and then dropped all the words. So now mm -hmm. it's just known as the AES. Uh -huh. Nobody in the world really knows that it used to be the American Equilibration Society, but we dropped all the words because the words were pathology in a sense, because if you didn't understand what true CR or the epigenetics of equilibration, okay, mm -hmm. where all that came from, then it was all fake news. And so then you threw it out. And so then you where, well, where do I start? Okay. But in all fairness, the thing that I learned most from Peter Dawson and all of the early Panky guys was that the master teachers, then they definitely stayed on topic to the definitions. They didn't bastardize the definitions. Okay. So the biggest one is anterior. Anterior, that word, right away in dental school, you thought it was anterior guidance, canine disclusion. 
when in fact anterior means in front of the condyles. The anterior determinants of occlusion. Your anterior guidance is your occlusion. Mm -hmm. So if you go back to the basic definitions as how the master teachers taught them, how Pete originally talked about center in the sockets, and you didn't get into all these other philosophies that were brought into it for basically economic reasons, okay? There's a lot of this was because, oh, I'll do it this way because I can make more money or whatever, okay? There was that part of the whole thing, okay? But in all fairness, it comes down now to a couple of basic definitions, understand what the tongue swallow is doing, understand how the posture is going, think about the nasal airway, and Invisalign, what it does is literally uh, you take all these old orthodontic cases that have all collapsed, and then I just basically, I stand them back up. So in a sense, instead of doing a lot of prepping on the teeth, we're just, we move the teeth back and then the amount of dentistry is less. And so I'm going to finish my career as more of a orthotic orthodontist mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. deals with medical issues that mostly migraine, things like that. So teeth come from the nerve family. So in embryology, they literally come from the second brachial arch. So teeth are neurotransmitters. So Nick Yanos, he taught me over and over. Kirstein, all those guys were into the neuro part of it. Okay, so it's just called sensory neuro overload. So if the teeth at nighttime, if you're swallowing and you're kind of squeezing your teeth a little bit or you're squeezing and pressing off and then apneic and things like that. Okay, so if teeth are together for long periods of time at nighttime, then the sympathetic nervous system stays on. The sympathetic is fight or flight. That's what apnea is. Squeeze, ah. Save your life, okay? But the teeth are resting. It takes years before the apneic comes in where they stop breathing. They just literally close down, swallow, and adjust and squeeze her a little bit, okay? But through all that time, and especially with young teenagers, females especially when they're hormones, so what will happen is their teeth will be together, and then they're squeezing down a little bit, and their sympathetics are on. That's anxiety, That's depression. That's this building where they're not in REM sleep. That's where they think that they're waking up, but they're not. Okay. Mm -hmm. One last pearl, because everything's cartilage base and cartilage grows by cell division, then the girls get their hormones quicker and sooner. So they're sometimes age 10 years old and that estrogen starts to hit those periods start. And then literally the girls will turn, they'll twist. So this gets off center more and the guys, we compress. And so we'll hold more tension in neck and shoulder and snore more and hold it all the way back. But we have bigger, rounder, stronger condyles. The females, not so much. So if they really get into trouble here and one, they get off center and this is growing and their hormones are hitting and they're growing into these spurts like that. That's why you see seven, eight, nine, 10 girls for every guy for TM issues mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. age 15 and say 25. And those hormones of in and out of pregnancy messes with them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so we're getting the concepts better. You just have to start younger than older and understand how all of this stuff grows. But when the teeth are together, because they're neuro, 
They're literally neurosystems. They're telling the trigeminal cervical nucleus, okay, squeeze and grow and all of that sort of thing. So, So the neuro network will become more and more part of dentistry. That's the migraine and anxiety and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's the dentist to pick it out in the kids. And once that takes over across the world, then look out because people love their dentist. And, and, and that's where the prevention comes in. And that's where you can pick up things earlier. And one of my favorite quotes, uh, Bobby, which I can't believe I haven't said yet, is uh, the mouth is like a window to the health of the body. So the mouth is a window to the health of the body. And I think, you know, just like we're going to be very much allied with the, well, like you are in your community, I, I wish that upon all dentists listening that you have this support network of healthcare professionals who are all singing from the same hymn sheet uh, with uh, airway principles in, in mind. Uh, Bobby, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for giving so much of your time here uh, to, to really cover what we started off with uh, uh, the teeth and bite and why everyone's fighting about that and we evolved into uh, the bigger picture which I think a lot of dentists especially in the UK are going to find very fascinating uh, I do believe I do believe that uh, our colleagues in the US where you are are a little bit more switched on in this I hope and it certainly seems that way to me but please tell us how you can educate more of us dentists. I know obviously with AES, I mean, I've been, I've been wanting to come to AES every year and I've got a small child, but 2025 is a really cool date that I can earmark to my wife and, and really just build this. What's 2021 now? I'm going to keep whispering every, every few nights, every few weeks. Okay. 2025 AES, 2025 AES. So when it comes, there's going to be no objection to, to, to be able to make it a very successful trip when you are president. Please tell us what else, um, you know, cause this knowledge needs to get out there. What else do you teach? How else can we learn? from you from the AES and from yourself well I would go back to a book like this now so that's new trends in myofunctional therapy for those who are driving or listening so uh, this book uh, yeah Mm -hmm. this book is two years old all comes out of Italy so and it's not really tied to philosophies it's tied to basically the growth and development of the kids so any younger dentist, any dentist who's even been practicing 20, 30 years, okay, and is thinking, okay, now, whoa, I really want to put this oral physician model into my practice. And I got to tell you, it just, it just grows the practice so fast, you know. You have a mom there, and then you see how this grew, and then you're going, okay, how old are your kids, you know, and then do they have allergies and things like that? Mm-hmm, I'll tell mm-hmm. you that the mom's all over it. The child has an appointment, you know, set up before she leaves. Some of the most powerful moments I've had in the last few years as I'm learning more about this field as well, Bobby, is having those conversations about bedwetting, having those conversations about children who are uh, making sounds when they're sleeping where they really shouldn't be, children who are having uh, behavioral issues at school, and then just suggesting to have a look at these massive tonsils that these children have and the parents have no idea uh, and to encourage them to, to get investigated and the kind of uh, engagement and interest you get from the parents and like the, the, the warmth you get for like, you know, thank you for, for almost they think that it's beyond our remit and thank you for looking after my, the, the health of my child. And I completely agree with you. No, it's they, they leave and they're going, oh, okay. It's not really about cost. It's about health and wellness. And once that brand is in your practice, once you're known as a, not a dentist, but you're basically a wellness person, then it's all over. I mean, I say this in a really humble way, but it takes three months to get an appointment with me. So if somebody calls the office and they go, okay, yeah. And then I'm seeing 10 
TM patient will imagine how many phone calls that is and stuff like that. And some of them are like in an acute situation. I can't really get to them. For- and probably from out of state as well, who, who probably heard about you, who want to travel and come and see you. Usually when, you know, people with TM niches, they, they do uh, track patients from all over. No, every single day they travel three, four hours. I mean, my community is the state of New Mexico. <laughs> so we have a, a big territory. And I'm not going to apologize. I uh, I built that, but uh, that wasn't the intention in the beginning. It's, that's just what happens when you start to put all these little puzzle parts together. And it started as a dentist who did a lot of prosthodontics. I mean, so you, you're you going to learn it. And I'm just saying learn it. But, but we kind of learned it backwards a little bit. And then you're going to have failures. It's like... It's like my coaches growing up, every single workout was, okay, we're going to warm you up. We're going to do a couple sets. And then I'm going to give you a set that you're going to fail at. So Mm -hmm. I, I do that with my staff. When we sit down every single day, it's not like you're going to win the Olympics every day. You basically, you come in every day and we're going to fail. We're going to fail either through a phone call or a communication or we didn't do the temporary right or something like that. Just know that every single day you're going to fail. But the problem there is if you don't learn from those mistakes and then you just keep repeating it, now you're locked in. And then generally that's when your career path is going to seem like it's a little bit of a dead end. So it starts on Monday morning and it starts with an attitude of, okay, yeah, come in. I'm going to start off with the best I can, come in rested, ready to go. And then as things start to fail around you during the day, you can't absorb it. You just cannot absorb it. You got to let it be Teflon person, bounce off of you because patients come at you hard these days. If something doesn't come right, the patient's calling and they're, they're blaming you. It's like my tooth didn't hurt before you prepped it. So now it's sensitive. Now what are you going to do? And so then, or a temporary will pop off. I call it the refactor. So anytime you're redoing something or reappointing or re-cementing or anytime you're backtracking, it feels like pain to the dentist. Mm-hmm. It feels like, okay, wait a second. Where did I fail? And literally, once you get everybody in the, in the, your group and your team to know, okay, Recognize the failure right off the bat, the phone call that's coming, deal with it as quick as you can. And then just in the future, just try not to make that mistake again, because we do learn it backwards. You have to learn it by experience. You have to learn. You have to make the mistakes. Okay, you literally it's the only way you learn. But if you want to advance the envelope into wellness and comprehensive and then put it all together, then literally you just have to go back to the kids. It's the only way you're going to learn it. And it starts with a sound understanding of um, anatomy, physiology, um, as is being presented to us in those textbooks, which I'm going to totally buy so and share it with everyone. Um, Bobby, thank you so much for giving your time and your knowledge and your generosity and, and all these lovely things. Uh, I look forward to hopefully meeting you one day, 2025 AES. It's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe someone will listen to this in 2025 and think, I wonder if Jazz ever made it. I think I, I, I really do want to. Uh, so <laughs> let, let's see. <laughs> let me congratulate you too, because... It's different now. It's because of people like you. Can you 
Can you imagine it? It used to be, okay, I would jump off and jump on a plane on a Thursday, go to a lecture, you know, mm-hmm. lecture at a podium. Now I miss the happy hours. I miss all of that sort of thing into it, stuff like that, but then go, then I'm back on Monday morning and I'm tired. Okay. And fine. I'm advanced. I taught, I did it, you know, my career path, all of that sort of thing. But I got to tell you in this hour and a half, I'm probably going to reach 10 times more people because of people like you, because of the way we teach now. Okay. And you got to know that dentistry has never been in a better place. Absolutely never been. hundred percent. And we need to hear that. I think our young colleagues, we need to hear that. There's so much doom and gloom, uh, but I, I always emphasize that message. I'm so glad you echo it as well. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, there we have it, guys. Thank you so much again, as always, listening all the way to the end. I really, really appreciate it. It was a little bit more complex, this episode. I appreciate that. Uh, but massive kudos to Bobby Supple for giving his time, giving his knowledge, sharing his experiences, sharing his failures. You know, the whole uh, Occlusion Wars Part 1, where he talked about all these full mouth rehabs, which are breaking down and sharing that information with us and letting us consider that actually there's more to it. There's a skeletal bite. There's a skeletal difference. Uh, and it's not just about uh, the, the teeth uh, at the dental level. It's a high level. It's a skeletal bite level. So I hope that gave you some food for thought and I'll catch you in the next episode. Same time, same place.